Today from the Global Lane, China punishes officials for exposing atrocities against the Uyghurs and buys friendship with Iran. Yeah, Iranians, they needed a lifeline. America, racist nation. Last couple years, we've taken some steps backwards. Would reparations bring healing? You don't fix an injustice with, with a further injustice. One Democrat, one Republican, our special look at race in the USA. And one nation, the same color of blood spilling on the beaches of Normandy. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. The Chinese Communist Party has imposed sanctions against two Americans and a Canadian for condemning China's treatment of ethnic Uyghurs and other minorities. Those sanctioned include Gail Manchin, the wife of Senator Joe Manchin. Mrs. Manchin serves as chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Also now denied entry into China is Family Research Council President Tony Perkins and Canadian lawmaker Michael Chong. Joining us to share his thoughts on this is the Prime Minister of the East Turkestan government in exile, Salih Hudayar. Mr. Prime Minister, it's good to see you again. So what do you make of China imposing sanctions now against those who are speaking out against the abuses being committed against your people, the Uyghurs? Um, this shows that the Chinese government is actually, you know, scared um, that the sanctions uh, against Chinese officials are, you know, working, that they feel threatened by the international community um, pushing back. So uh, they are, you know, engaging in normal diplomacy, getting, you know, uh, pushing back with similar sanctions on individuals that they deem are threatening their interests. Well, I'm sure you're quite pleased that the Dutch government recently joined the United States and Canada in declaring China's treatment of the Uyghurs as genocide. So... That makes the Netherlands the first European country to do so. How likely is it that others will soon follow, given China's forceful response against those criticizing its Uyghur policy? We're hopeful that the EU, um, especially the UK, because a lot of uh, um, UK uh, parliamentary members have also been sanctioned by China recently as well. And there is a, a genocide amendment um, that is... Uh, you know, stuck in the uh, UK Parliament that we are hopeful that it will pass now. Um, that would, you know, grant the UK uh, courts to uh, investigate and prosecute, um, you know, the issues of genocide. Uh, so, and this would, you know, give them the right to recognize, uh, you know, what China is doing as a genocide. And Sally, why do you think they're not uh, being quick to join in on the genocide designation? Is it because of business and money with China? Because, you know, a genocide recognition would have uh, more than just, you know, the recognition itself. They would have a lot of impacts on the markets. And there are business interests out there that don't want, uh, you know, relations between China and the U.K. or other or their own countries to be, um, you know, at a low uh, because it might harm their um, their business. So once again, uh, money interests triumph human rights. And I know many Muslim countries, particularly in the Middle East, have remained silent about China's treatment of their fellow Muslims, the Uyghurs. You hear a little outrage from them about China's forced abortions, the forced sterilizations that you and I have talked about, the rape of Uyghur women, the three million Uyghurs detained in prisons and re-education camps, uh, many forced into slave labor. 
Now the Islamic Republic of Iran has signed a $400 billion deal granting China port access and oil rights. Your thoughts on that? I mean, this was bound to happen. Uh, I mean, the uh, Iranians, um, they needed a lifeline, uh, especially with, you know, the international community recognizing the threat that Iran poses to, you know, stability, not just in the Middle East, but really across the globe. Um, the Iranians couldn't find any better ally besides China. Um, and because of this, uh, you know, they have to do a quid quo pro where they are going to remain silent on China's genocide against, you know, Uyghurs and other Tur Muslims in East Turkestan. The Chinese foreign minister visited Turkey, and Turkey has a very significant, you know, uh, Uyghur population. Uh, not only that, but Turkey has, you know, historical and ethnic, you know, um, uh, similarities with the people of East Turkestan. And despite this, the Turkish government uh, failed to condemn uh, China's atrocities. In fact, they invited President Xi Jinping to visit Turkey and develop, you know, uh, improve Turkey's relationship with China by making it into a strategic partnership. What needs to be done now, Sally? Well, we have been calling on the United States government and other members of the UN Security Council to raise the issue at the agenda, you know, to bring it to the agenda of the UN Security Council to engage in further, you know, diplomatic and political and uh, economic, you know, uh, sanctions against China um, to, you know, boycott the upcoming Beijing 2022 Olympics and to call on the international community to actually uphold the 1948 UN Genocide Convention and the 2005 uh, Responsibility to Protect Commitment. Okay, the struggle continues, does it not? Sally Hudayar, Prime Minister of the East Turkestan Government in Exile, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Race in America. More than 150 years after the Civil War, the people of the United States are still struggling to create a more perfect union with liberty and justice for all. And more than 50 years after the civil rights struggle, where racism and segregation were exposed for all the world to see, it seems politicians and media pundits give us a daily reminder of our race's past and present. So let's take some time to explore what is happening on the home front and to listen to various views. Joining us for the conversation are the hosts of the I Hear You podcast, Pastors Alex McFarland and Odell Cleveland. Both are also authors, professors, and speakers. Their goal is to end prejudice and racism in our society by listening and understanding differing views. Gentlemen, thank you both for taking the time for this discussion. Odell, I'd like to begin with you. Because as a preteen, I participated in a civil rights march with my parents in Michigan. And I never thought then that more than 50 years later, we'd be struggling with race issues in our country. So haven't we come a long way since the 1960s? Why are we having this discussion today in 2021? You know, first, thank you for having us on the show. And I think we definitely have come a long way since that time. But I think that we've, last couple of years, we've taken some steps backwards Racism is part of, you know, America, but at the same time as Christians, I think that as we continue to talk to each other and talk about those things amongst each other that we talk about behind closed doors, a lot of times it's very awkward to talk about race. A lot of times it's not politically correct. And 
for the most part, we're just very cautious on what we say, how we say it. Do we call a black person African-American? Do we call them black? Do we call them color? What do we say? And if we say the wrong thing, is there any room for grace? Or is there any room to back up and get it right? Or just one word out of my mouth will be, will I be labeled a racist? And I think that we use that term racist just far too frequently because a lot of times we ask on our show, it's like, you know, I'm questioning you, not like you're on the witness stand, but I'm questioning you for better understanding because in a lot of cases, we just don't understand each other. But what we found though, is hard to hate up close. If you know someone and you talking to them and trying to build a relationship, a genuine relationship, it's just hard to hate up close. It's all about relationship, isn't it, gentlemen? Uh, Alex, why now? It seems we have daily reminders about race from our politicians, from mainstream media, on social media. Why do you think it's happening now? I think a part of the reason that there's racism in America now is because we have lost our moral compass. We, from no-fault divorce to abortion to no legal protection for the unborn to now, you know, transgenderism. I mean, to believe that that neighbor who's different from me is a human being made in the image of God, worthy of respect, value, dignity, worthy of my friendship and love. I mean, you, you really only get those values when you believe in morals and God. And morals and God have almost been erased from our public consciousness. That's, in my opinion, a large part of why racism still exists. Well, then I've got to ask you both. I'm sure all races of people may have differing views on this, but do you think America is a racist society? If so, why? I think that is systemic racism in, in America. I think that America is the best country in the world. Capitalism is the best thing. And I think that in America, you could be anything you want to be. It's a lot of opportunities. Now, on the other side of it, because since mankind is not without sin, I see racism as a sin. The Bible talks a lot about you won't be able to make it without a spot or wrinkle. But we see racism, not a spot or wrinkle, but a stain. It's a stain on us. And how can we make it in heaven if we have a stain? Now, we have to be careful when we say, you know, for every black person um, hate white people and every white, pe white person hate a black person. That's not true. It's a lot of genuine relationships out there, but it's a lot of when we don't understand each other, then we fill it in with, well, they must be a this or they must be a that. So to your point, America has systemic races, racism, but America is not a racist country per se, because I love America. Uh, a lot of people love America, and I wouldn't trade America for any other country in the world. And I think most Americans would acknowledge the sin of slavery, but I must tell you, it's not unique to the USA. I've traveled to much of the world, and I even interviewed former slaves in Sudan, Arabs enslaved black Africans there. They're still doing it. And it's still happening today in many countries. And it's occurred since the dawn of humanity. I know St. Patrick was a Brit who was enslaved by other whites. They're Irish. It seems slavery has not been restricted to one people, group, or color, yet America's demonized. Might there be a bigger agenda here to divide our nation and people over race? What do you think, Alex? I would say, to your point, that the left does have a vested interest in dividing America. 
And so what goes on in Washington and what goes on in the classrooms, uh, that, that's in, in many ways removed from a lot of our lives. But what Odell and I are saying is that every last one of us can be intentional and proactive about making friendships with those around us. And, uh, you know, when, when I first met Odell, uh, I, his church, which is Mount Zion Baptist Church, which is uh, probably the largest predominantly African-American church in North Carolina, one of the largest, and it's a great church, one of the largest, you know, predominantly black churches in the country, as far as I know. So even though I, I didn't know Odell personally prior to about 14 months ago, um, but I knew his church. So I knew if Odell came from Mount Zion Baptist Church, I knew he's going to be a good man, you know, because that's a great church. But nevertheless, while we have a lot of similarities, we are different in some ways. Um, he's a Democrat. I'm a Republican. So I thought at, at the very least, we're going to have some interesting conversations. But we made a decision that we were going to be friends together. And it's, it is and is becoming a, an incredibly rich friendship. We want to say to people, make friends with people that are different than you. But when you begin to grow friendships, you, you can't help but care about people. And when people care, good things happen. Okay, gentlemen, when we return, we'll discuss what can be done to bring unity and racial reconciliation to America. And we'll take a look at what might be the most segregated place and day of the week in the United States when we come back. More than 150 years after slavery, how can Americans bring about racial reconciliation? And how do we create a more just society for all races? President Biden and members of Congress support the formation of a commission that would explore reparations for American descendants of slaves. Evanston, Illinois, has become the first city to offer reparations, a payment of $25,000 for those who qualify. Pastors Odell Cleveland and Alex McFarlane are here to set us straight today. They host the I Hear You podcast. Gentlemen, what do you think of this idea of reparations for slave descendants? Would that help heal old wounds and move the country forward? What do you think, Odell? Well, I'm all for reparations. However, I just think that it's more than just a check. I think it's something that we really need to think through and say, okay, what happened? Because the first thing, about reparation is what happened to even cause it. One of our discussions on um, Alex and myself were having is like, Odell, I don't believe in reparations. I don't think I need an example he used was, I shouldn't pay for a hamburger that I didn't eat. And I said, Alex, I understand from your perspective, but from my perspective as a descendant from slaves in Abbeville, South Carolina, a lot of our labor was stolen. A lot of our land in the agrarian South was stolen. A lot of ancestors got hung and killed and murdered. So we look at it somewhat different. A lot of the women who happened to be of African descent were raped and our babies were taken from them and sold. So we look at it differently. So do I think that reparations just be a check? I think that's the worst thing could happen, a reparation just be a check. I think just like systemic racism, reparations is be something systemic, long-term, that's going to benefit people. Because if you give someone a check who doesn't understand money, we all know in a capitalistic society, a year later, that person's going to be broke. So I don't think that a check to individuals who qualify is the answer. I think we could be more creative. 
we're the we're the richest country in the world. We're the most gifted country in the world. And as long as we continue to say, in God we trust, and believe in God, and don't step away from God, we'll be the most blessed country in the world. First, Odell, but then I'd like to have Alex respond to this. I've talked to people who say, hey, I had nothing to do with slavery. My ancestors didn't own slaves. Some said they had mm -hmm. ancestors that actually fought or died in the Civil War to free blacks. So why should their tax dollars go to pay reparations? That's what they've told me. So might it possibly, this whole thing, create more racial division in our society, Odell? No, I don't think so. And the reason why is not asking white people to pay reparations. This doesn't have anything to do with white people. The reparation here is America. If you look at America, the country we love, we're saying to America the same thing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said to America, you wrote a check, America, in the form of a dream that bounced. The check was returned insufficient funds. So this doesn't have anything to do with white people. The art against America, America, you have blood on your hand. America, you benefited from slavery, not white people, America. You, you don't fix an injustice with, with a further injustice. And to pay money to people who never were slaves, extract money from people who never owned slaves, that's not just. And, and frankly, let me say one of uh, Odell's points that, that I do agree with, there are a lot of people that aren't prepared to handle a check, like in the case of the, the Northern City giving uh, $25,000. I mean, there are a lot of people that $25,000 would actually be a cruelty to them because of what they would probably do to themselves with it. And, and one of the uh, parts of America that was our founding principle of equality before God and equal rights, and we didn't live up to that. So I would argue we've already paid some reparations in the form of uh, tens of thousands of soldiers and individuals whose blood was spilled in the Civil War. Uh, and all of the fighting and the investment to get the Emancipation Proclamation uh, uh, law and then the equal rights, um, uh, that the civil rights movement of the 1960s and civil rights le legislation. Now, here, here's uh, my point, that we, we have given equality to all. Now, there are some echoes and some ripple effects of everything from Jim Crow to prejudice that needs to uh, be gone. And I think only the, the Lord and good, consistent messaging can, can do that. I mean, this, this is a gesture that will, I assure you, it will cause more animus between the races. I didn't get enough. And then others will be resentful that they... Their taxes have gone up to pay for reparations, I think, will be disastrous for racial progress in America. Okay, finally, I'm sure as pastors, you too believe that if we are to overcome racism and prejudice, it must begin in our hearts and our churches can take the lead. But churches and Sundays may be the most segregated places ever on every Sunday in America. So how do we overcome this and build relationships? Because that may be the key. Well, you're right. And the fact that when it comes to Sunday 12 o'clock worship service, it is the most segregated time. And a lot of times when you look at said, okay, how do churches integrate? A lot of times people don't want to integrate. 
Uh, the black church is one of the most precious jewels in the black community. And the reason why, historically, the black church was the place that people of color were in charge, one of the only places that we were in charge, and we were allowed to be in charge. So the black church is the whole essence of the civil rights movement. And white people may be more comfortable in their culture, in their setting. But it's going to be interesting that when we all get to heaven, though, I don't think it's going to be a black church or a white church. And we're all going to have to be under that one God. Amen. I'm sorry, gentlemen, we're out of time. But Alex McFarlane, Odell Cleveland, I'd like to continue this discussion in the future. We thank you for sharing your time and insights. insights. And your podcast is I Hear You. Where can people listen and download it? I Hear You dot show. And they can find us on Facebook and online as well. And I'm sure you two are taking this discussion on the road. How can people get in touch with you if they're interested in hosting a discussion? Well, uh, my email, my personal email is alex at alexmcfarland.com, alex at alexmcfarland.com. Uh, we'd love to hear you. We'd love to come to your city and do a Q&A. But anyway, we can serve and further uh, the love of one's neighbor. Please don't hesitate to call. Okay, let's do more in the future. Thank you, brothers. I appreciate you. Thanks for setting us straight today. God bless. Thank you for having us. At last fall's Values Voters Summit, then HUD Secretary Dr. Ben Carson told Tony Perkins that people are using race to create chaos to bring about change. Dr. Carson suggests it's easy to convince people that they are victims and that white people have created their problems. Because of the color of your skin, you are guilty and you owe, and it's a bad combination, guilt and uh, victimhood. And it creates incredibly bad policies. So folks, don't fall for the race baiting and manipulation. Yes, let's promote justice, but let's not allow America to be divided by skin color. We are a great melting pot, a nation of all colors and ethnic groups. And let's not forget what President Ronald Reagan told us. Blood that has soaked into the sands of a beach is all one color. And if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, MeWe, Parlor, and Twitter. And until next time, be blessed.